0: Hey, you hero fans, Uh, welcome to another episode of The Wiper, Uh, where if being entertained is a crime, uh, you better get ready to be sent to the slammer. I mean, it's not a crime, Uh, being entertained, I mean, I'm not, honestly, I'm not sure about Nebraska, but uh, everywhere else, I think it's fine. So, uh, welcome. This week, I want to talk to you about um, something that a few of you have asked me about, actually, which is my origin story you know, where I came from. And straight up, I gotta say, I'm not a storyteller guy, you know. I'm I'm not a guy who tells stories. I mean I'm not a I'm not a new man or anything, but I can share. Sure. I can open up. Of course I can. So uh I thought, yeah, okay, I'll tell you the story. Here we go. And I've lived in Hollywood for a long time now, but I'm not originally from Hollywood, or California for that matter. And if there are any any linguists out there, um, firstly, welcome, good to have you along. Um, they may f- just figure it out where I'm from. I mean, um, they could do, but I can't. I can't tell you where I'm from because never forget rule number one. Oh, yeah, okay, uh, Jeannie in the booth has pointed out that maybe uh, you aren't familiar with rule number one or any of the super rules, come to that. So. Uh, I mean, there's a whole book of them, really. Uh, but number one is never reveal your secret identity. And I, that sounds obvious. Of course it does, you know. But you'd be surprised how often people forget that, especially younger guys. You know, they're on a date, and you know, there Johnson does the talking, you know. So anyhow, don't break rule number one, guys. Uh, you are asking for trouble if you do that, okay? So when I was younger, I had a lot of different jobs, like a lot of guys, straight out of college, you know. Oh, well, veterinary science, thank you for asking. And I did pretty well at that, sure. Yeah. I mean, actually, I did really well. I was, honestly, I was being modest. Um, I, I was on course for, let's say, a stellar career in veterinary practice. I mean, I majored on animals in the in the rodent area, you know, generally in that vicinity. So, uh, but when I finished college, there was no word straight away. So I had to work a lot of different jobs. Like I say, most guys do. And actually, interestingly, I suppose my first job actually was stunt double for John Schneider. You know, Bo Duke, Dukes of Hazard. Remember that show? He wanted to do his own stunts, but the insurance would not go for that. And honestly, I was a better driver than either of them good old boys, really. So there it is. And I met some really great guys and gals on that set. I mean, that was down in Georgia. And, uh, but that's how I ended up in Hollywood, you know, met those guys, ended up in Hollywood. And I didn't immediately, uh, continue my career in film. You know, you don't just roll into Tinseltown and land yourself a gig as a stunt double, it turns out. So I had to find other work and I was a valet at the faculty club, uh, before it was the Harrow Club in Beverly Hills, Scott, by the way, that was before that. And I mean, it was still a nice club. Sure. A lot of rich people had a lot of well to do. Anyhow, between these uh, many larger gigs, let's call them. I worked a lot of service sector jobs. I mean, that's why you say these days uh, service. Sector. But back then it was two bit. Let me tell you, two bit was what we got them. Yeah. And I, that involved a lot of restaurant work in the kitchen. Mostly, you know, back of house. That's right. Uh, that's where the action was. That's where that's where I could earn some money. So, and actually, that's where I met a lot of the guys who went on to become household names that you may know. gee, um, come on. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to drop names here, but okay, sure, I'll throw a couple in. Yeah, for the sake of the story, I will. Don Johnson, before Miami Vice, that that was a guy who was there. I mean, I think he just made that movie Sagi Bottom USA or whatever. So things were slow, I guess. I think we can agree it wasn't his best work, really. Um, and Don, if if you're if you're listening, I uh, love you, man. So you know, we all have those periods. And Liam Neeson, that was another guy. Uh, oh yeah, gotta tell you, Liam was a a great server, very attentive. I mean, not overly, just right. You know, the amount of the amount of money that guy made on tips, my God. I mean, he. I mean, that's what really bought him the the acting classes, I guess. You know. And that's what makes him such a versatile actor. Well-trained, you know? So anyhow, a lot of kitchens, a lot of actors. This one kitchen, it wasn't attached. It had a restaurant, sure, but it wasn't only attached to that restaurant. It was attached to maybe 15 or 20 restaurants. So we did the cooking and we had a fleet of scooters or whatever to take meals out to the restaurants. And All these delivery services today, they think they invented that stuff, delivering hot food. No, that was us back in the 80s. That's where it came from, guys. Honestly. So we did it all there. You know, we did we did Chinese, we did Korean, Italian, French, Mojave. There was a there was a nice little Mojave place over on Waring, or maybe Willoughby. But it was very authentic, you know. You could get a a great meal there, really. Well, not there, obviously. We made it, took it there, but you could eat it there. So that was very nice. And so it was a big operation. I mean, you do not service Upwards of fifteen restaurants in the Hollywood uh, area, from a small operation. This was a big operation, and we had some big equipment too. Of course, we did a lot of process, and that included an industrial microwave. I mean, this thing was huge. It was like a crate big enough to transport a rhino, you know, or uh, a college cheerleading squad. You know, it was it was big. I mean, you just walked the food right in there and. That's where the problem was. Honestly, I think it was a flaw in the design. One one day, I was loading the microwave with, I think I remember correctly, it was linguini al forno, I believe, and I dropped one. It happens. What can I say? And of course, I put the tray down, and I bent down to pick the plate up, and as I did, I was shielded from the door. You know, you I couldn't be seen. You couldn't see me. So next thing, I hear the door click, and I think, well, what is this? This is a prank. So of course I go straight to the door and it's solid. I mean it's not like your regular domestic microwave's got no window. I mean, it's industrial. Huh? You don't want to see what's happening with four hundred Linguini L4 node. A- actually I think it was spaghetti, but and you don't want to see that. You just want just wanna it to happen, right? So and yeah, bang on the door, but you know, this was the eighties. So microwaves were still getting going really. And it was noisy. It was industrial this thing, you know? So it was loud. And I thought to myself at that moment, I thought this is not uh the place I want to be, really. I guess I was probably on like a, a broil setting or something for maybe thirty, forty seconds, uh which felt like a lifetime honestly. So I'm in there and I can feel some shit going on. You know, first of all, I feel my bladder boil, and that's not pleasant, let me tell you guys. Then uh, some stuff in my colon, I'm pretty sure, that area. And then the blood, of course, that's mostly the water. So I literally had steam coming off me and my eyeballs. My eyeballs were bubbling, you know. I guess it was pretty bad. But it's not the worst thing that's happened to me. Not really, uh, you know. After a while, it was sort of a, an out-of-body experience, if I'm honest. So there are other things that have been worse, uh, truly. But uh, that's a tale for another time. That's not enough for now. It it would be dishonest to say that it wasn't bad. It was bad. I mean, I'm sure you can imagine what it's like being stuck in a 1980s industrial microwave on high heat for 40 seconds. It was, uh, okay, it was searing, searing pain. And uh, I'm on the floor at this point, of course. And the program stops. I hear the beep, you know, my ears. Still fully functional. Even now, that sound... Uh, brings a, a little tear to my eye. Uh, it means a lot. Honestly, it does. I mean, I don't own a microwave, of course, but uh, I love that sound. Anyhow, the door opens. I hear it. Someone comes in, sees me, I guess. I hear a lot of panic in their voice. And I guess the first thing they, they see is, is kind of me naked. Uh, I don't know what happened to my clothes. We never found that out, honestly. But they must have seen my bubbling eyes. So what do they do? They grab, And I mean, it's a good idea. Uh, a cool damn town. And they put it over my bubbling eyes. And I got to tell you, oh, the relief. It was, uh, I mean, the rest of my body was in absolute unbearable agony, of course. But my eyes, suddenly, very cool, very nice, very nice indeed. By the way, if you are ever in uh, excruciating pain and you want a quick route to relief, Go to the kitchen or maybe maybe get somebody else to go to the kitchen for you. I mean, the kitchen is not the place for you if you're suffering from uh, major eye-ready trauma, really. It's not a safe environment in that situation, okay? So get get a buddy, get him to go and get a cool damn towel and put it on your face. It's out of this world. It really is. And I still do that sometimes uh, if I'm feeling a little stressed or whatever. Anyway, so I'm lying there with this towel, and the person who put it there has run off to call nine one one, I guess, uh, but nobody realizes my skin is like glue. I mean, I've just been microwaved for God's sake. What do you expect? So the towel sticks to my face. Anyhow, the pain in my eyes subsides. Cool towel, I tell you, it's great. And I open my eyes, and my laser power immediately uh, blasts holes like uh, like eye holes straight through the towel. And I mean, it didn't stop there straight through the trailing greenie or spaghetti, whatever, and straight through the top of the microwave, straight through the floor above, and out the top of the building. As soon as I realized I had high-powered laser beams shooting from my eyes, I closed them right up. Of course I did. I mean, I didn't want to hurt anybody, you know. So, yeah, uh, I mean, sh- sure. Yeah, I can control it now. I mean, I can do just a little beam, if that's what you want. You know what I mean? Actually, you know what? Uh, in my time... Before I was full-time on the superior gig, those were some really useful laser eyes. I I had a lot of I had a lot of side hustles going on, you know, uh, etching, I would do, pyrography, and uh, gravestone engraving. And for many years, I never went near my grave, but that was okay, because I could just heat the meals up straight on the couch. I didn't need to go to the kitchen for that. Just use my laser eyes, you know. So, and for a while there, I worked in a Hollywood clinic. Yeah. Removing scar tissue, the rich and famous. And uh, I got real precise with it. I could just take that stuff right off. Graffiti removal. Also, I can do if anybody has a problem with that. I'm happy to do it. It's a public service, really. Also, honestly, I'm a lot cheaper than the maintenance crews that I see, to be honest with you. And I don't know why they don't call me more often, really. But there it is. So it's their loss. So that's how I got my superpowers. Uh, I'm impervious to pain. I, I mean, I really do have a very high pain threshold, you know, so, and, uh, laser eyes, which I've mentioned, of course. Uh, and, uh, of course, that's how I got the name, how I came up with the name. I was wearing nothing but, a but, a, a towel over my face, stuck, stuck to my skin with two holes burnt through where my eyes were. So I called myself the wiper, like I was wiping up, like I was wiping up the dishes, but actually no, I, I was wiping up crime. That's what I'm doing. I'm wiping up the bad guys. That's why they call me the wiper. But now, now, hero fans, you know why I'm really caught that. So I've let you into a little little uh, secret there uh, for you. Anyhow. No, uh, no, I don't have the same towel now. I had operations to carry all that up, Genie, honestly. And I heal real quick. You know, I had like 10% of my skin intact. I was only off my feet for a couple of weeks though, actually. Medical miracle, obviously. It's another superpower, I guess, but I don't list that one generally. And that's basically the origin story, guys. How I got into the superhero line is a story for another time, though. Haven't got time for that now. Oh, and I can also speak to raccoons, of course. Uh, of course, I can. Uh, they are my eyes and ears, uh, if there are any around. I mean, there are on a huge amount right here, uh, but whenever I see them, I do stop and have a conversation, and m- mostly it's about it's about garbage cans and municipal waste collection system they they have a one-track mind really but they are very friendly yes and i think it's the uh veterinary training really you know raccoons um they are in that general rodent area right so i'm pretty sure that's where that comes from um not a lot of people know this raccoons have a a very complex social structure and uh, yeah not a lot of people know that but it's true they do and you remember the tv show the cartoon show the raccoons yeah genie remembers it okay i was actually a consultant on that show because they wanted to make sure it was accurate and i know raccoons of course i do i can talk to them so originally it was going to be live action by the way uh if i remember correctly Baba streisand was going to play sophia tutu who actually was an aardvark uh, not a raccoon and i think it was lee majors yeah who was going to play Schaefer, a sheepdog, also not a raccoon, actually. Um, but anyhow, it turns out the cost of making people up to look like raccoons and art barks and sheepdogs uh, was just too high. So in the end, they went to a cartoon, and I think that was the right choice, actually. Um, I'm telling you, I know raccoons are exactly like that cartoon. It's uncanny, really, uh, how accurate that is, honestly. Uh, it's great. It's great. Anyhow, guys, that's the origin story. Uh, that's how I got my powers. That's how I became the wiper, wiping out the perps. I hope that was interesting for you guys. I hope it answered any questions you might have had. And this episode, I've got to tell you, was brought to you by uh, Millie's Drains Repairs and Spares. And if you have any problems with your waste system at all, give Millie a call. Any properties you have, she will sort them out. I've used Millie on several occasions. I mean, every now and again, I shed my skin. You know, I don't list that as a power, to be honest. It's not often, luckily. Uh, But it really causes havoc with the pipes, you know. And I mean, sure, yeah. I mean i could laser them out probably of course i could but no i call Millie, and she comes and rides me out my pipes and really fixes them up so do give her a call i'll go to the store why not yeah take your trip 708 sunset right next to the in and out burger uh look guys um just before i go i it's, it's i've been thinking about this and there's something i want to get off my chest and i've never said this before so you know yeah it's an exclusive it's a wiper exclusive oh genie to set up in the booth uh she's listening in now uh after the accident after i got my powers i actually went back to the same kitchen i mean they were great they held the position very kindly i think it was a quid pro quo i didn't sue them for shutting me in an industrial microwave and turning my skin to glue and they'd hold my position loading pizza and pasta dishes into the ovens which i think was fair of course i never mentioned that it was me who blew a hole clean through to the sky and they never mentioned it either so you know I guess they must have been happy with that. Anyway, you know, I told you Leon Neeson worked there. Yeah, he did. And we were good buddies after the event, particularly. And, um, I mean, I never raked it with him, but I, I got a suspicion that he was the one who shut the door and started the microwave. He might didn't do it on purpose. Sure. But anyway, there it is. So there's one thing though, that he did do that. I'm not happy about when I got back um, we were, we were chatting like we did very often, Liam and I, and he asked me if there were any lasting effects from the accident and I didn't want to tell him about the powers and stuff. So, I mean, I didn't know about rule number one then, but it seemed obvious I was not comfortable with it at that point. So I just said, well, let's say what I have are a very particular set of skills and we all know what happened to that line, right? Yeah. I mean, on the set of taken, he had lit that line. He threw in my line. That was going to be my line, the wiper's line. But uh, he took it and he used it so I can. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Genie, I swear. That's it. That's how it happened. So, uh, but Liam, hey, if you're out there and I have it on good authority that he does listen. So, hi. Uh, Man, look, no hard feelings, okay? I mean, I have plenty of lines. Lots of them. I mean, it's no big deal. So, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, that's it, Hero Fans. Uh, Great to talk to you. you. Get in touch with any questions you may have. Uh, Until the next time, this is The Wiper, over and out.